Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you willing? Hey gents. Welcome to another episode of Apex Masculinity, a high-performance men's coaching outfit designed to help you show up strong in every area of life. Raising the bar in fatherhood, marriage, finance, business, health, and all things manly. Gentlemen, let's begin. Hey, gents, welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. You're in the right place. Today, I want to talk about triggers and how they relate to self-awareness. See, self-awareness allows us to understand what our triggers for bad decisions are. We all have them. Those moments in life where we're potentially in a weakened state and more prone to be impulsive rather than self-controlled. A mature and self-aware individual knows what their triggers are so that they can avoid those situations as best as possible. As well, they also know that if a moment of weakness happens to occur, it's not because they are psychologically impaired. They learn to give themselves grace for the failures because they understand that they have a tailor-made, individualized set of personal triggers that are prone to get the better of them from time to time. The danger here isn't in the occasional failure or lapse in better judgment. It's walking through life completely oblivious to what a trigger even is, and more specifically, what your personal triggers are. The world is filled with people that walk in absolute unawareness to certain personal truths. They don't understand, for example, that simply being physically exhausted can be a trigger for relapse. I personally work six days a week, usually 12 to 14 hours a day at my job in the oil field here in North Dakota. That is a normal oil field schedule. If I'm not careful and attentive to my own physical chemistry, I can have a breakdown and carry myself in a way that doesn't align with my core values as a man. Usually, in my case, by Thursday, I make it a point to come home from work, kiss all my people, and be in bed way earlier than normal, making sure to hit the snooze button the following morning just so that I can recharge myself and not be more susceptible to weakened moments that I'm going to regret. Exhaustion is huge for me. I must be proactive and thoughtful, knowing myself and creating an actionable plan for trigger mitigation. My wife knows that there will be one day a week where I'm going to address myself in a self-care fashion and get caught up, so to speak. And she also knows the immediate and tragic results in temperament and behavior if I don't do triage on myself and heal. No one, no one, including myself, is demanding that I not let my triggers get the better of me. There's no voice in my head saying, quit your crying or I'll give you something to cry about or why do you always fall prey to these triggers that you have? There's no demeaning finger being shaken in my face for having triggers and being susceptible to fall under their weight. Intelligent people just create and implement strategies for avoidance, mitigation, and recovery 
concerning what their personal triggers are. So what are your triggers? Those events, emotions, and experiences in life that place you in a more prone-to-fall position. How are you avoiding them? Sometimes you simply can't. We can't avoid the birthday or a death date anniversary of a loved one who passed away tragically and unexpectedly. You can't avoid a divorce anniversary. So how do you mitigate that dangerous situation that falls on the same date every year and makes you so depressed that you pound a bottle of cheap whiskey or wine to celebrate your grief? Do you get friends involved with your mitigation? family, go out for a meal with people that you love and care for later in the evening so that you consume a better part of the night intentionally distracted, keeping your mind occupied in a positive way. However you choose to do it, all I'm really suggesting here is that you know your triggers for toxic, toxic choices and that you mitigate those hazards. Let's look at a few others just to give you an idea of other possible triggers that may be hindering you from being your best, most elite self. Again, this information can be very liberating because up till now, many of you think that you misbehave because you're permanently broken. I'm telling you that you occasionally misbehave simply because you have triggers. There's a difference, and it matters. I'm so tired of people walking around with their heads down, defeated, and broken, walking in a state of self-loathing because they wrongly think that they and they alone are inept human beings because they're prone to occasionally fall under the weight of personal triggers. We all have them, everybody, even the best put together people on occasion, if they're not careful, can crack and tumble if put in the right set of circumstances. You need to start walking with your head up. It's a rule at our house. No one walks with their head down around here. On occasion, you may even hear my stimulatingly strong reminder to my kids, hey, you're a Chantos, walk with your head up. As we go through this list of personal triggers, I want you to be thinking, out what, I want you to be thinking about what your own set of personal triggers are. For example, is the negativity of the media a trigger for you? The constant barrage of hopelessness and defeatism can really be a discouragement to some. What steps are you taking to mitigate this new and extremely addictive substance on the market today known as state-run media? Turn the TV off. You know, if aliens ever decided to come to our planet and watch the nightly news outlets for a week, they would pack up and leave just as quickly as they arrived. Many of us have just decided to turn the TV off completely because of the despair that one is left with after seeing how the condition of our world is portrayed by the nightly news. You should know that it isn't an accurate assessment of what's truly going on around you. For example, you never hear that in America, two million people get married and start a wonderful life every year you'll only hear that 39% of them get divorced. You'll often hear that 38,000 Americans die from alcohol-related incidents every year. Yet you'll never hear that on 
that same yearly basis, roughly 36% of those people sober up and walk away from alcohol forever. That is an astounding 31,680 people that defeat a powerful demon and change their life forever for the good. Good news doesn't sell. Bad news sells. And it also fuels negative feelings of hopelessness in your heart. Hopelessness is a trigger for many. Learn to cut the head off the snake. Turn off your TV. Turn off the social media outlets. Delete some of those wonderful Facebook friends that constantly rant and rave about negativity. Get yourself around some positive people. Join the ranks of the many, many, many Americans that are now using their evening hours for better causes like exercise, family time, or furthering their education. Another trigger is being overextended in multiple areas of your life. Are we stressed and busy often? With too many activities and work tasks, many of them trivial and unnecessary? Having too many things on your plate can often lead to not doing any of them very well because you're stretched so thin. The cold reality of not bringing your best to the table in multiple areas of your life by being stretched thin can make one falsely believe that they're a failure at life or at best underperforming and cheating those obligations of their best work. The ensuing incorrectly diagnosed issue creates a depressive state in which every overextended soccer mom seeks to medicate in unhealthy ways to elevate out of the unhappy cortisol zone into the pacified and happier dopamine zone. Yes, calories are just as addictive as wine. Know yourself. Maybe it's time to let something go. Maybe it's time to take a break, focusing on the more important things for a while before resuming the busyness of life again. Some of you actually believe that if the universe gave you four more hours in a day, you could get it all done. You'd fill up those hours with more horse hockey within a month. Once again, finding yourself taxed, exhausted, and overextended. It's time to analyze your life, make some hard choices, and free yourself of the stress of being overbooked and drained all of the time. For many, this pace is unforeseeably unsustainable. There is a titanic-sized iceberg in your future, and when it hits, and it will, it will trigger a bad emotional and physical state of being for you. Maybe it's time to write out some columned list and prioritize the most important things. We don't need to be all things to all people. The strategy for being a successful multitasker is to get really proficient at the basics and then slowly introduce the extras. In increments, always making sure that you're no, not so locked into anything to the point that you can't politely excuse yourself if the need to refocus on the more important things ever arises. This is proactive, thoughtful, projective, self-awareness. Learn it. You can do this. Is rejection a trigger for you? Rejection is a generic emotional response to several different first cause experiences that a person may encounter on their journey through life. They can be caused by neglect or abandonment as a child. Children that have bounced from multiple different foster homes, for example, or that possibly had multiple different parental figures or primary caregivers in their life may experience feelings of rejection. 
A young lady that I knew several years ago confessed to me that every time her mom would split up with her live-in boyfriend, the loss of the masculine influence in the home would cause her, the daughter, to wonder if she had done something to make him leave. It made her feel fragile and broken. She felt abandoned and unlovable. If this unhealthy emotional trigger for her isn't dealt with, she, like so many other people, will carry this toxic mindset into her adult relationships and possibly put herself in an unhealthy situation where she will do or tolerate anything to simply keep a man from leaving her so that she can avoid that feeling of abandonment and rejection. For many people, relational breakups churn up those old feelings from our childhood where we either sensed or knew that we were an unwanted nuisance or inconvenience to someone, someone that should have loved us unconditionally. That's why it's really important to choose your relationship partners carefully. Seems to me people these days are really quick to overlook the more important aspects of a person's character in their haste to climb in the sack or climb into a lease on an apartment. We just want somebody. Or maybe we just don't want to be alone. Our unwillingness as a society to validate relationship compatibility can bite us in the rear end later when things become so toxic that it's obvious they can no longer continue. That's usually when someone makes the first jump off of a burning train without looking back, tearing blended families apart, cleaning out bank accounts, violating lease agreements, and ruining credit scores. Most importantly, though, someone is always left feeling rejected. Again, neuropathways in the brain being reinforced and created that say, unaccepted, unwanted, unlovable, undesirable, rejected. The dirty little secret with this is it's not always the grown-ups that are wounded and scarred from this impulsive repeated display of self-ignorant behavior. Kids can be wounded by the adult separation. Also, as the one parent goes into a mental state of psychological hibernation after the traumatic event occurs, they most assuredly neglect their children to the degree that the kids also feel isolated and alone. It's so easy to isolate our children in more ways than one especially when our children are naturally going through some of those more annoying stages in life. If we're not careful as parents, our body language, choice of words, and indifferent dismissals of our children will send a loud and clear message that they are not accepted, or worse, that they are not wanted or valued as a special person in our lives. And back to your stupid Facebook profile you go, to look at another irrelevant social media post by someone with no real life as your child walks off quietly to their room fully aware of where your preferences truly lay. Being bullied can be another trigger for rejection, and rightly so. People usually don't harass and abuse things that they truly value and appreciate. This was definitely a big one for me also. As if all of the garbage going on at home wasn't enough, I was blessed to be a lanky, pimply-faced white kid that looked like Kurt Cobain from Nirvana on crack. I attracted so much unwanted attention from the gangbangers and the jocks, pretty much everyone in middle school. I was pushed around, threatened, talked down to, ridiculed, jumped, and laughed at from what seemed to be every angle. 
Home sucked. School sucked. But I'll be damned if that first toke of weed in the ditch after school didn't make it all go away. Hmm. A neural pathway for dealing with pain was just created. Believe it or not, prison taught me more on how to be a real man than my father ever did. Prison is where I learned respect. Prison is where I learned to be willing to fight for my dignity, even when I knew I was outmatched and going to lose. Prison and the older convicts that happened to stumble across my ignorant and unlearned path taught me how to carry myself as a man. Those men taught me how to walk with my head up, not in arrogance, but in self-assurance and a healthy sense of self-respect. It was my father's harsh words that tore everything down inside of me and set me spiraling down a path of self-loathing and self-defeat. All of that had to be rebuilt from the ground up. Listen, man, if you're willing to see it, even your worst tragedies can be a blessing. I really needed those older veteran convicts to take me under their wing and teach me a few things. The powers that be were willing to let me fall into that environment because they knew that not only would I get a timeout, but I would also get some much-needed discipleship on how to be a real man. It was almost like a rite of passage in a way. Those older convicts, as tough and brutal as they are, had a soft spot for a lot of the younger guys coming in. It was almost as if they knew we'd been cheated, just like they had, from a positive, affirming, supportive, masculine influence. I believe those 40-year-old men saw themselves in us and decided to make an investment that might spare us the lost years and the heartache that was coming as a result of being confused and uncertain of who we were and what our purpose and place in the world was. If I could go back, I would not change that. I would do that time and I would experience that, as painful as that was, because it was something that I desperately needed. How about criticism? Criticism can be another rejection trigger. If you grew up in a home that was ripe, thick, and plentiful of harsh criticism and judgment, or absent of praise and affirmation, then anytime someone even remotely second-guesses you or questions your ability to make a good decision, it can dredge up those old feelings of inad inadequacy and rejection. It can trigger an emotional response that feels quite painful. If you've already discovered how to medicate pain through mind-altering, dopamine-releasing substances, then there will always be that pull to alleviate those unwanted feelings through whatever means necessary. Do it now, and do it quickly. As well, exclusion can be a rejection trigger for some. Feeling left out intentionally can make one wonder what might be wrong with them. When people perf purposefully leave others out of interactions or activities, it once again brandishes with bold and bright colors a neon sign that simply reads, You are rejected. I mean, don't misread me. I understand that not everyone can be invited to everything that goes on in life. As well, there, there may be real reasons why exclusion is taking place. If you're a toxic person, then most likely people are not going to want to readily include you into their routine. There's validity to that concept. All I'm trying to accomplish here is to create an awareness in you of a situation that can trigger an emotional feeling that causes someone to be rejected.
The end goal for me is not to decide who you include or exclude in your life or who includes or excludes you from their life, but rather to help you understand that rejection is a trigger that can make you feel undervalued as a person. Feeling undervalued as a person can make you want to medicate that negative feeling with negative behaviors that have long-term emotional, physical, and addictive consequences. If people are leaving you out of things or seem to be uninterested in you as a person, then you need to ask yourself why. The answer may discourage you, but at least you'll have an idea of how to proceed so that you can attempt to repair that relationship if you choose to do so. Sometimes it isn't possible. Sometimes it simply isn't you. People are so lazy and so self-absorbed these days that they simply don't care to have interactions with others. There comes a time in life where you just have to let people go. Maybe it's for a season maybe forever. You are now on a journey of becoming the most elite version of yourself that has up to this point ever existed. Don't beg people for their attention. Don't beg people to be in their presence. Don't beg people for their approval. Don't beg people for forgiveness. Forget those people. You don't need those people. If you're truly trying to come up and out of toxicity, then you by nature, are in a different bracket of humanity. You are now in an elite club of exceptional first-class people that are not only seriously trying to change themselves, but also positively affect the world around them. Listen, man, I know it hurts when you realize that if you never called people or stopped by their house ever again, they would never reach out to you. It gut-punched me also. When I did a little experiment last year and completely stopped contacting family and friends just to see who would respond or disappear, I want you to know it's part of life. Some of those people simply don't care about you. Some of them are so selfish and self-absorbed that they don't have the level of maturity, manners, and self-respect to realize that if you truly care about people, then you should reach out to them in a tangible way and express that care in a way that can be felt and seen. Also, there are some folks out there that are so distraught over their own lives and the current battles that they are drowning in, whether it's real or imagined, that they just can't get a moment of reprieve out of their own perpetual tragic situation to focus and realize that they should show that they love and care for people. By reaching out and including people in their life through maintaining an actualized relationship experience, even if it's a simple call or a quick text, just to check in or check on someone, it matters. It shows you care. And that simple act validates the true condition of your feelings. It strengthens the relationship. We are just now starting to see the symptoms of the greatest epidemic that has ever truly plagued humanity. Social media has done nothing for society except create a painful social disconnect. The whole world now just stares at their screens, stares at devices. There's no intimacy anymore between friends, families, co-workers. All relationships have been impacted by the addiction of social media. As you progress on your journey of becoming the most elite version of yourself, be mindful of this trap and rise above. Finally, there are those people out there that feel so terrible about the things that they have done, whether to you or others, that they just can't face the music. 
The guilt and the regret that they deal with literally keeps them bogged down in solitude. They stay low profile because they don't want the reminders of who they were and what they did to others to resurface. They most likely have convinced themselves for convenience sake that you don't want to hear from them, so they don't reach out. Don't let these people in the condition that they are currently in knock you down. Self-awareness simply lets you know that in most cases it is most cases it's it, it isn't you, it's them. Give them grace, as difficult as that may be, because remember you need it too. However, do not beg anyone for their attention, for their relationship, for their trust, or their love. Apex people do not do that. As well, I would also like to inspire you to be extremely proactive and thoughtful with how you treat others around you. If the way these aforementioned people and how their behavior can be a trigger for you, then it's obvious that the next clear conclusion is that you and I, and the way that we treat other people can be a blessing or a trigger for them. Just like the toxic people from your past had a hand in creating negative neuropathways in your head, you and I, if we're not careful, can be the creative inspiration for starting some toxic and damaging neuropathways in other people. Obviously, if you're reading this book, listening to this podcast, then you are more than likely an adult that is trying to make sense of a lot of toxic junk that may be going on in your life. We can't change your past. We can, however, make sense of that past, give it some meaning, and afford you some tools to grow and heal. What we cannot do under any circumstances is perpetuate the toxicity into others. One of the main reasons for writing the book, Apex Humanity, and starting the podcast, Apex Masculinity, is to stop the transfer of toxicity and brokenness into the next generation. You, my friend, can struggle through your brokenness and see immense levels of success and recovery. But please, do not transfer any of that brokenness into your children. You already understand how difficult it is to sort through everything in life as a result of what you endured. Please, spare them the years of struggle and the pain and set them up for greater levels of fulfillment. Lastly, guys, Failure can be a rejection trigger for some. If you're the kind of person that when you fail at something, it reminds you of all of the years where every time you tried to do something positive and uplifting and success-minded for yourself, and it didn't work out and it failed, you reinforce this idea in your own mind that you can't succeed. And anytime you experience a failure in your life, it dredges up those old toxic feelings that lie to you and tell you that you'll never be successful, that you'll never win. I'm here to tell you today that when you start your journey of becoming an apex man, there are going to be seasons where it literally is two steps forward, one step back, two successes forward, and one failure back. And it will be that way ongoing for a good deal of time as you develop the habit, the mindset, and the culture of winning, of being successful. On occasion, on your journey, if you have a failure, or you fall or stumble, in whatever arena of life it is, 
don't let it be a trigger for you to give up and go back to resolving that problem the way you used to by medicating the pain of being a failure, being a perpetual failure that isn't you any longer. Guys, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Again, I want you to love yourself and sleep well at night. Thank you.